Parenting is hard. Few of us feel up to the task. The world is shifting, quickly and dramatically. All of us feel the changes affecting our families. The stress and pressure can be intense. We are here to help sort the good and the bad, provide insight and bring hope. Welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. We're so glad you stopped by. Hi, I'm Pastor Brad Mathias. I want to welcome you to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. That's Rob, what we are, right? Yeah, well, no. not really. No. No, it's sort of uh, tongue-in-cheek, as they say, Robert. Yes, that's exactly right. So, Robert Beeson and I are here in the studio, uh, just outside of Nashville, Tennessee, and we are on, believe it or not, episode 88. It's hard to believe. Seven seasons, and uh, we just keep on coming back to this. 88 episodes of Brilliantly Brave Parenting, and I... The benefit, the benefit of doing 88 is your guests just keep getting bigger and bigger and better. And and this week is no exception. I'm really excited about this. I am too. I'm a little bit of a, you know, Navy SEAL fan. Um, You told me you were in the Navy SEALs. I did not. I think you did. I don't even have a tattoo. I remember you telling people. I don't don't have anything to back that up with. But I do know that there are men out there who are putting their lives on the line. Yes. uh, For freedom. For, Quite literally. Yeah, literally. And uh, the last decade or two has not been uh, kind to the world. Mm. And so those sort of uh, men are heroes. Absolutely. And they should be celebrated as such. And I think in our culture, it's important that we take the time to notice that. To recognize that, yeah. Yeah. To, I couldn't to agree s- more. Uh, one of the other things that I, I think is really important is that uh, there's a lack of healthy role models today mm. for for sons and for uh, families. And uh, one of the things that you and I have a heart for as pastors and and ministry leaders is to sort of illustrate and uh, provide a platform mm-hmm. for men who are making a difference in their sphere of influence. That's right. And today we have a very special guest that uh, is doing all of those things and um, probably a whole lot more, actually, um, than we even know. And our guest today is Remy Adeleke. Welcome, Remy. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much. Yeah. Just such uh, so much respect for uh, for your story and um, love the book. And just, I don't even know where to start. There's so many facets <laughs> to your life. But um, yeah. why don't you just kind of kick us off into you know your your story and how you got to where where you are right now? Okay, yeah, that's easy. I, but uh, <clears throat> it kind of starts with my dad. My dad was a. Uh, well-known Nigerian engineer, philanthropist, um, businessman. Uh, he was he was the first-born son to my grandfather. Uh, my grandfather had nine wives, and he kept on having girls. And then finally, through my grandmother, uh, one of his wives, he had my dad. And my dad, being the first-born son, naturally inherited the title of ch- of chief. Uh, this is in Nigeria, uh, right? In Nigeria, yeah. And uh, and also uh, our last name, you know, uh, uh, which is Adeleke. Ade uh, means crown. Leke means is above. Hmm. Um, so so my dad was essentially born into into Yoruba, which is our tribe, Yoruba royalty. Um, he ended up getting a, a full ride scholarship to study engineering um, and uh, to London because he was a savant, and he got his masters. And, uh, and architecture and engineering in in, in London. Wow. And then he uh, built massive enterprises in, in the West, 
not just in London, but in New York City. He was uh, one of the first black men on the board of the World Trade Center in New York City. Wow. Uh, uh, the Planning Council in Great Britain, he was the first black man on that board. Um, so he was he was just, you know, very uh, ahead of his time. And, you know, after a certain amount of time, he decided, you know what, I need to go back to Nigeria to reestablish Nigeria to be a beacon for all the world to look to, especially with all the resources that Nigeria has with cocoa and oil and, mm. and other uh, and natural gas as well. And so he went back and that's where he built his businesses. And uh, um, by the time I had come along, my dad had uh, built one of the first, started to build one of the first man-made islands in the world, uh, which exists to this day. And it's known as Banana Island. And it's an uh, island where billionaires and millionaires uh, own, own nice plots of land with their mansions and houses on them. <laughs> um, so, but in 1987, the Nigerian government being historically corrupt, yeah. uh, decided, you know what, you can't have this anymore. Uh, and they took his assets from him. Uh, he had invested millions of dollars in the banana island, pretty much every penny he had. And my dad just mysteriously died uh, a few days later. Uh, and, and we ended up going from, from rich to poor. Hmm. Um, uh, and that, that was when my beginning started as far as America. Uh, my mom, she being an American, this was she was just like, there's no way I'm raising my kids here in Africa. Uh, so she permanently relocated my brother and I to the United States, and I grew up in the Bronx. Wow. What an incredible story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm listening to this, and I'm thinking about your, your book, Transformed, yeah. and the themes that can clearly emerge here. Uh, you really are the coming to America story in the sense yeah. of you know, Nigerian royalty, um, and you you land on uh, you know New York, and you have to sort of make sense of life, right? Yeah, you've got to make sense of that, and there's got to be just a tremendous amount of confusion and anger, frustration. How old were you when you came to America? I was five. Five. Wow. Five years yeah. old. Do you remember that clearly? Uh, you know what? What I do remember is the transition being seamless. Yeah, uh, hmm. so it wasn't like a culture shock for my brother and I. And I think the reason why that was was because my mom, uh, she was she was just a master at you know, um, and I don't want to say putting on a mask in a bad way, but putting on a mask in a good way. Hmm. Um, she knew that that she had to hide the reality of what had happened because if she didn't, then we would break down as her two boys, hmm. and then if we broke down, and she would break down, and it would just create this never-ending cycle. And so uh, I never forget the day she told me my dad died. She placed my brother on her right side and placed me on her left side. And she just said it's such a calming demeanor. You know, your dad's gone. He's not coming back. That my brother and I just looked at each other as if nothing happened and went back to playing as if nothing happened. Um, but, you know, that's just a snapshot of, of what our life was like under my mom. You know, she did a great job of protecting us, not putting on a better word. Uh, instead of using putting on a mask, protecting. She did a good job of protecting us from the reality. And the analogy I often use is it was as though my mother created a movie set. And on the movie set, everything mm. seemed as good as it could be. But outside and off of that set, like there was, you know, chaos. You know, we were in the Bronx. My mom struggled, you know, tremendously financially. Um, you know, there were times when she didn't have enough time food to feed herself. She had just enough food to feed my brother and I. Uh, there were times when we would go to the rent office with her and she would have to, you know, beg for extra time to pay the rent. We, me and my brother, you know, she, there were times when my mom didn't have enough uh, for us. 
and me and my brother, she would give my, me and my brother a big bar of ivory soap and we would wash our underwears and, and socks in the sink <laughs> and then, you know, hang them up to dry on the uh, shower, shower, shower hanger or a shower rod. So, you know, um, they were, my mom did hide the reality, but as I got older, I began to, to realize what was actually going on. Yeah. As I'm, as I'm thinking about that, uh, Robert, you're the, you're the head of a ministry, a national ministry, solo parent society. Yeah. This has got to be right in there with one of the most challenging things a parent can go through. Absolutely. I mean, raising kids on your own is so, so difficult. And it's so, you know, I, I, I seriously think the single parents are like superheroes in disguise. I mean, it, it really is. You're, you're trying to be strong and you feel devastated already because of everything you're facing, feel inadequate and able to, um, to provide or to, to, to be stable. And, and frankly, you don't feel stable yourself. So, you know, you're supposed to be two parents and you don't feel like you're even good enough to be one. So I, I, that's an amazing story of, and testament to the fact that, you know, on the other side of all this, because <clears throat> one of the things that we know from single parent homes is the tragic outcomes, you know, of mm -hmm. incarceration and chemical dependency is like, it's so much more prevalent coming from single parent homes. And I think you're just a great example of how things can go right and how it's worth to persevering and, and, and really fighting for your kids. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Because you went on then, you got involved in, in uh, military and, and walk us through that. Like how the, I mean, this, because it's a fascinating and incredible story to this point, but yeah. that wasn't done. Yeah. Well, I didn't go, things didn't go right <laughs> on my end, as you touched on. Um, uh, you know, as I got older, uh, in my teenage years, I got involved in, in selling drugs. Um, I got involved in, uh, you know, high level illegal scams, you know, anything to make money to survive. Hmm. Uh, I, I started a record company that I would uh, I would essentially launder illegal money through, um, um, you know, to to kind of protect myself to a certain extent. Uh, so I was deep in, 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 in organized crime. Yeah, uh, that's the word we use. Um, what ultimately led me into the military was. I got involved in a deal with a drug dealer that went really, really bad. Um, I sold some products that were supposed to last for a certain amount of time. They only lasted for a fraction of that time. And uh, he came to my mother's house, mother's apartment, knocked on the door and essentially threatened my life. Um, and, and my mom was just a few rooms down. So her life was in essence threatened as well. Uh, after you know, I made him his money back, which was the next day, I decided, you know what, I can't can't do this life anymore mm. uh, because if I keep going down this path, I'm going to end up dead or in prison. Um, fast forward six months later, I, I didn't do anything for six months. I, uh, I, I, you know, I just felt this presence and I truly believe it was a Lord telling me I needed to get out of here. I needed to join the military. And, and that there's more to the story. I don't want to give it all away. It's, it's all in the book, but that's what ultimately led me to the military. Um, but there was a problem. I had two warrants out for my arrest. Um, but, you know, I met a recruiter who, you know, she believed in me. She saw the potential in me uh, when other people did it. And uh, she, you know, took me to both judges to get my record expunged. Hmm. And then uh, she went a step further and fudged the paperwork to sneak me into the Navy. And uh, that's how I got in the Navy. It's crazy. I, I do know, you know, <clears throat> from personal experience, I, I got in the music business and did, I was pretty obsessed with just myself and my pursuits and my pleasure and, you know, money hmm. and that kind of thing. And it took some pretty tragic things to, for God to get my attention. And I can tell you that um, 
I was transformed through that process. Yeah. And um, it's, it's not something that I would wish on anybody else, um, but it is one of those things that leaves a mark that you will forever carry forward. And I know you did, because I mean, you had a successful military career, became a Navy SEAL, which is mm-hmm. <clears throat> just remarkable. Like Brad was saying in the open, so much respect for the, the heroic bravery and just, you know, the dedication um, mm-hmm. to sacrificially, you know, lay your life on the line for others is just something that is part of your transformation, I'm sure. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. So, Remy, I've got some questions for you as a pastor. Um, there are a lot of people out there who are like, you know what? I'm not heroic. I'm not. I don't have the the courage you have. I, I, I've blown it. You know, I've, I've failed as a dad. Or I failed as a son. And they, they're tempted to sort of just flush their life. You know what I'm talking about? Where people mm-hmm. are just, yeah. they're at the bottom. I can guess that that there had to be a moment or two in your life where you felt that way, but something really helped you push through. Was that your faith? Was that something with a supernatural bent or or how did that happen? Uh, It depends on what part of my life you're referring to. Well, I think, yeah, now I'm guessing that it occurred maybe at different times that there, there were probably seasons in your life where you just were tempted to give in or give up. Never. No, there was no. <laughs> okay, there was no, and that's why I went to, I was asking which would you know. There was never a point where I was just like you know. It, 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 even now, when I reflect back on my life, um, I ask myself, man, dude, like how did you, how did you go through all of the things you went through? Like how did you do it? Like I have to ask myself that question um, uh, because I still can't believe the things that I've gone through to get to where I'm at today. And um, what I do know is that, you know, my mom, going back to my mother, you know, she was an extremely hard worker. Um, she would work multiple jobs to provide for my brother and I. Um, and, and, and she was she was the epitome of perseverance. And through osmosis, that just became a part of my nature. It was second nature to me to just when I have a setback or even when I do dumb stuff that I shouldn't do to not dwell on that, but to just keep pushing forward and keep charging forward. So there was never a point in my life where I was just like, you know, during that transition, you know, going from New York to, to the Navy and then trying to get in it through SEAL training and all of that stuff. Well, I, I, I was like, I doubted myself or, you know, I, I thought about quitting or giving up, you know, it was, it was just like, I, I think I'm so much of a knucklehead that I, I just bump my head and I'll just keep going, you know? <laughs> so you would attribute that to, watching your mom persevere for well over a decade is that yeah 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 no absolutely and uh because i didn't know the lord you gotta remember you know i didn't come to faith in christ until i was 26. Hmm. so you know if we're talking like prior to 26 you know i didn't you know i i i'm sure the lord knew me and he had equipped me and gifted me he gave me the mother he gave me and 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 so that i could be skilled to get to where i'm at but um, um, just from a surface level uh, standpoint, it was my mom. It was my mom's lessons that stuck with me um, to keep pushing, never give up, you know, regardless of how hard you're struggling or what you're going through, how many setbacks you have or how big the giant is in front of you. You punch him in the face and you just keep moving. Or you take the beat that he's going to give you, get back up again. <laughs> wow. So at some point then at 26, you had a a moment of awareness where you 
Some people would call that epiphanies. Others might call it a salvation moment. Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah you know, I, was, I had just uh, I reached a point in my life where I gained too much success. Um, and success can be dangerous if you don't know how to handle it because it leads to uncontrollable pride. And um, I, my pride was just through the roof. Here I was, this guy who made it from Africa, made it through the Bronx, made it through SEAL training. I have girlfriends all over the place. I have a girlfriend I'm supposed to be faithful to. I have, uh, uh, you know, a nice car, a nice apartment. I have money, legal money for the first time in a long time. <laughs> A, well, a lot of legal money for the first time in my entire life. And, uh, I, you know, all of that kind of, it, it, it brought me to the bottom without giving away too much. You know, it's all in the book, but it brought me to the bottom. And uh, when I hit that rock bottom and I tried, you know, new age religious practices to fix myself, I tried forcing my own will to fix myself. I tried uh, 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 meditation to, to get rid of the guilt and the shame and all of the things that I had, uh, uh, you know, incurred from the decisions I made and from the people that I heard. When I tried those things and none of them worked, that's when I was just like, okay, I need to try something else. And my brother had been a Christian for a long period of time and he would tell me from time to time, Remy, when you hit rock bottom, just remember to cry out to Jesus, you know? And so when I hit that rock bottom moment, that's essentially what I did. You know, I cried out to Jesus and, you know, it was through that, 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 uh, ounce of faith that, you know, he came into my life and everything transformed, you know, exponentially. Um, I, like I immediately gave up sex, you know, I've been either having sex or watching pornography from this age of 16. Um, I had immediately given that up, you know, I, know I was, I had stopped partying. I had stopped, Drinking, I had stopped, you know, everything cold turkey, you know, and just started walking with the Lord. And, and you know, there were people in my life who were just, they couldn't believe it. They were just like, Remy, what happened to you? What's going on, dude? Like, hmm. what's the deal? We're not going out. Like, dude, this is not you. This is not you. Like, and I was just like, man, I, I just had an encounter with Jesus when he came in and, and you know, he did a work in my life. And, and you know, and, and I don't want to live the way I used to live anymore, man. And that, that was my simple response. So that's how it all kind of came together. I know I'm giving you a brief version of it, but again, it's all it's all really detailed out in my book. Interesting. Robert, you got any thoughts, questions? <clears throat> well, I just, I think it's remarkable, your story, the, the entire pathway. And it's interesting, God's pursuit of us is not conditional on our behavior so often. You know, I mean, mm. his, his love and concern and... and and pursuit of us, it just it travels with us through through the bad choices we make, through the constructive things that we do, and um, I think you know this idea of being transformed. If you go from you know being, as you were talking, I was thinking, what would your life have been like had your mom not been a single mom raising you? I mean, if you would have grown up in royalty in Nigeria, it would it would have been it would have looked different. Yeah. And so the yeah, hardship, completely different. And I know that for a fact because my uh, I have half siblings. My dad was married before he married my mom, and he had gotten divorced. And you know, my older siblings are about 10, 15 years older than me, and um, they're completely different people. They all went to boarding school in, in, in London, and they all have English accents, and you know, they are all like totally different mm. from me. You know what I mean? And uh, they they live the privileged life, right. and uh, uh, which is nothing wrong with that. 
Um, uh, but, you know, I, I thank God that, you know, it sounds weird, but I thank God that things happened the way they happened where yeah. I lost my dad. And I didn't have that privilege of life because I would definitely not be the man I am today if I had all of the things that they had. Yeah. Period. Point blank. Remy, was your mom uh, was a believer in Christ? Was she a Christian? Yes, she was. Okay. Yep. So, so when you were growing up, did that include going to church? Uh, yeah, you know, it did. It did early on. I would say, you know, from five to about thirteen, um, and I hated it, you know, because uh, for a few reasons. One, I hated, I hated waking up early on Sunday when I knew I was going to have to wake up early Monday through Friday to go to school. I never was an early bird. Um, two, uh, how would get in trouble for falling asleep in the church. And three, for me, I saw a lot of hypocrisy in the church. You know, um, I saw a lot of hypocrisy even at a young age. And uh, uh, because of that, as soon as I got to the age where my mom couldn't make me go to church anymore, I stopped going. Yeah. So flash, flash forward. You've been uh, you've been in the movies. You're you're acting. You've been through Navy SEALs. Um, you've got a career now, you have a family as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and you've written this book transformed. You're doing a media circuit. You've been on TV. You've been around the game. What is the end game? What is your goal in writing this book? What was the focus? Uh, I think I had a few goals. One, I wanted kids who come from where I came from or from environments that I come from, or the environment or the similar environments that I came from, uh, to read my book, see themselves, and say, "Wow, Remy could achieve the things that he's achieved." Then I, there's no excuse why I can't. There's no excuse why 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 I shouldn't be able to make it out of Compton or South Side of Chicago or you know certain parts of Houston, Dallas. Like I should be able to make it out and get somewhere because Remy did, and me and him have a similar similar path, um, uh, similar uh, beginnings. So that's, the, as I was writing that, that's who I had in mind throughout the majority of the book. Um, also, you know, just, I wanted people who have gone through a failure in life to see that a failure is not the end all be all, you know, because in my book, you'll notice that I failed over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, but I just kept picking myself back up and saying, I don't care if I failed. I'm just going to do it again. I'm going to keep trying. And, 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 I, and one thing you'll notice is I began to learn how to take those failures and derive lessons from them and then take those lessons and use them for my success. So I wrote that for the group, another group of people I wrote the book for those who, you know, who are experiencing failure in their life or have, have, have a dream that, you know, and on the road towards a dream, their dream, they failed at a major checkpoint. And, and now they're considering giving up, you know, which is probably almost every person on earth, mm -hmm. <laughs> if you're even a being, right? Um, so that's another group I wrote it for. And then, you know, there's a big relationship piece in the book. Um, uh, towards the, the, I would say, the beginning of the third act of the book. And um, that was important for me because, as I said earlier, I was a, I was a terrible womanizer. Um, I treated women horribly. I slept around with all different women. And she, so I, I, the only woman I have ever been faithful to in my entire life is my wife. Um, and that's because after I gave my life to Christ, I stayed single for three years. 
And then I met my wife, you know, and uh, after three years of, of being single, and then we got married. And uh, she's the only woman I've ever been faithful to. Uh, and so what I, I wrote the book for women because I wanted women to pick it up, read it, see, see some of the girls, see themselves and some of the girls that I used to hmm. date and how I treated them and say, wow, like this is, this is me. I need to walk away from this relationship because I deserve better hmm. and I am better. And, and I can't stay in this relationship with this guy who I, I suspect he's cheating on me or this guy who's lying to me or this guy who's not treating me as as a queen, you know, as every woman should be treated, you know? And so, you know, that was a big uh, rock in my shoe as I was writing was just, I need to edify women and I need women to, 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 to be, I need women to use this, to read this and say, wow, let, let me examine myself in this relationship I'm in, if mm-hmm. it's not a positive relationship. Um, and then obviously there's a faith piece towards the end of the book, you know, when I, when I do have my, my ultimate transformation and coming to Christ. So, you know, for people who have questioned faith um, in any part of their life, like the book is not a, I don't, I don't see the book as a Christian book. It's not a Christian book. I didn't write it as a Christian book. It's very vulgar um, and raw. And uh, I wrote it that way because I wanted, I, you know, how can you have true transformation if you're, if you're watering down how your life was, mm. you know, pre-transformation, right? So, you know, I, and I see that with a lot of Christian content where, you know, it's 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 not truthful in the in, in the way it's portrayed. You know, it's portrayed as yeah, I was I was bad, but I wasn't that bad. And then I came to Jesus, and He made me good. <laughs> or you know, and so what I wanted to do is I wanted to be able to connect with people who were where I am, where I was at, at, at certain points in my life. So it's raw. I, I, you know, I I use the language in the book that I used when I wasn't walking with the Lord. You know, I, I tell stories. Um, of my lifestyle before I came to the Lord. And uh, uh, so that, you know, when people who are, again, questioning faith, when they get to that part where I do have, I do submit to Christ, they could, you know, say to themselves, wow, like I saw how Remy was for the last 23 chapters. <laughs> and to see this and him change like this hmm, must be something here that maybe I should try, you know, or maybe I should explore, you know. So I kind of wrote, I wrote that book for that, for the, the person that you know is questioning faith or on the fence or uh, you know or maybe even they they've you know had a, a relationship with jesus and they and they fell away and and, and they read it and they re-spark something within them um so yeah i love that and i and i applaud you for um taking the the step to to be completely authentic and and laying yeah. it all out there because i i completely agree with you yeah. um that we lack that in Christian culture, people telling the whole truth. Yeah. Um, and so what that does is it, it, it causes an environment where Christians feel like they need to hide these things. And, you know, yeah. and, and that we know what happens when things get, you know, kept in the dark or, or yeah. kept yeah. hidden, like no one can yeah. really deal with it. So I'm really, Absolutely. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very encouraged by, by your story and by you being so authentic and telling and, and being committed to telling the story, you know, in complete rawness. I think that's fantastic. So, you know, uh, Remy, you don't know Robert and I, uh, we've been, he and I have been walking out things together for over a decade and, you know, we've been through the ups, the downs and then the uglies. Uh, one of the things that we're committed to is being pretty authentic about our stories. And, uh, we've, we could definitely identify, uh, to some degree with what you're describing. And, uh, we've both seen, 
just the dramatic change in life that God can can bring to a broken marriage. For me, it was a broken marriage. Yeah. Uh, for Robert, uh, it had to do with uh, drug abuse and a spouse. And we we've seen some really ugly things as pastors, as friends. We've been through some ugly things. We want to yeah. encourage you to keep keep it real because there is a need for Christian media that is engaging people where they're at and exactly. not sugarcoating it, not oversimplifying really difficult moments in someone's life. Yeah, so absolutely. we appreciate you doing so. that. And one last well, closing question before we sign off, what's next? What are you up to next? Wow. Well, <laughs> I have a lot going on. You know, I've, I've been, before I finished writing the book, uh, cause I wrote it myself. I didn't have a ghostwriter, co-writer. Um, I was approached by people in the film and TV industry to turn it into a movie. Um, so over the past few months, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's happening. It's happening more. So, uh, so I'm like in the last few weeks of, of making a decision as to, you know, what studio I'm going to have, I'm going to go with for, you know, you know, what production company I'm going to go with to, for a TV show or a film. So I'm working on that. I'm also a writer. Um, so, you know, I wrote two films that, um, that, uh, I'm about to start shopping around. Um, I, I was approached to co-write a film with a production company, uh, co-write a film um, at a production company, um, uh, which I can't really go into detail about it, but it's, it's a pretty awesome story. And then, uh, yeah, I was just I was just paying this week to, to possibly consult on another big film. Uh, I just finished a film in uh, December uh, that's going to come out on Netflix in, um, in, in, in this December. Um, it's called Six Underground. Ryan Reynolds is the lead, and Corey Hawkins, and it's a bunch of bunch of great actors in there. So yeah, man, that's you know, filming TVs. You know, just keep doing that, and keep sharing my story and the gospel when I have time. And uh, you know, I, I do nonprofit work as well. You know, working in inner city uh, areas in, 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 in California and other parts of other country to, to inspire young people. And I'm in jails and in prison, so I do that too. So yeah, man, just just keep. Uh, using this body as much as I can before it expires. <laughs> <laughs> That's well said. Awesome. Well said. Well, we've been talking with Remy Adeleke. He's uh, a Navy SEAL. He's an author. He's a actor. He's a inspiration to a generation of young men who uh, could really use a good role model. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking time, Remy. It was a pleasure and honor right. to speak with you and uh, just love what you're doing. Thank you, brothers. It's a pleasure and honor to be on with you. Thanks for having me on. All right, man. Thanks, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. God bless. Bye-bye. Brad, you know I'm a foodie, right? Absolutely. Okay, I want to tell you about this awesome coffee experience. It's called CJ's Coffee Culture and Community. It is a faith-run coffee culture. And the thing that's really cool about this is that they roast their own beans, they have delicious coffees, and they, they have two brick and mortar, so two coffee bars, as well as a virtual location at cjscoffeecafe.com. Here's the cool thing. They ship their beans, they ship their coffee anywhere in the world, so you don't just have to be in Texas to enjoy it. CJ's Coffee Culture and Community. Awesome. Well, that's a genuine uh, movie star. Fascinating story. I mean, he's in uh, Transformers, The Last Night. Yeah. Um, he's on uh, SEAL Team television show. 
man. No, I, I, it's 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 incredible, and I love his authenticity and just his boldness. And when you hear a story, it's no, I mean, it's not a surprise because he's approached yeah. everything from this just like. Well, and you know it. what? What I like is he's not really uh, from the church background world, right. so he's he's uh, using different language mm-hmm. than a lot of than a lot of Christian culture people do. Yeah. Um, and it's refreshing. And you can tell, but you could tell yeah. the transformation is real. Like it's, yeah. you know, it's, he's had an encounter. Well, you know, as I was talking to him, I found myself talking like Christian talk, mm. you know, and, and I'm like, so when did you run out of, you know, when did you come to an end? He's like, ah, dude, I never wanted to give up. Right. And then he, five minutes later, he's like, well, when I hit rock bottom and yeah. I'm like, so it's different language, right? So the way, uh, the way he's expressing himself is refreshing. And I, and I really think helpful yeah. because we get so tied into the the same sort of way of describing stuff that we lose its uh, you know its edge. I it's completely real. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. What a great conversation. It was. And I, I'm sitting there thinking, I know we're not the audience, you and I are mm-hmm. not the audience that he's hoping to inspire. You know, he's really in in aggressive way trying to reach to the African American youth and to the any youth. I mean I think and yeah. the other thing that I thought was really fascinating was like he wants to warn girls about people like yeah, him. That was like, a curveball. That was like, I, I was not wow. expecting that. Um, That's really interesting. What what I was saying is, I know you and I aren't the the target audience right. that he's trying to inspire African American young men, but he's inspired me. Oh yeah. So like, I, I don't think you have to be an African American man, a young man, or or a single parent to get great inspiration no. from this. Yeah. Um, I do think that we should warn our our readers that this is probably not PG. That, that this writing and style is very authentic to mm. the way things really were for him. And so it's not probably something for young kids or, or preteens to read. But I do think for parents, especially single parents who may be um, wondering if this is all going to work out. Yeah. Uh, the example of a Christian mom who persevered. I mean, he used that word. She had perseverance. Yeah. You can tell it left a huge imprint on his heart. And I, I can't help, but we've, We've preached this at nauseum, but um, what ages did he like yeah. go to church? Yeah, seven five, to th- five to five 13. to thirteen. Yep, and and he wasn't cooperative, and he didn't like it or whatever. So, parents, yep. as you're raising your kids, what you do is super important before the age of thirteen, and you know after that, I, it's just it may look rough for a while, but God is faithful. And um, if the root system is there, you know, it's... Yeah, I mean, he, shared, he was sharing about how uh, his brother, yeah, who obviously was a believer, yeah, uh, told him, when you get... Rock bottom. When you get to the bottom, cry out to Jesus. Yeah. Um, I know for me as a parent, uh, looking at my kids, that there, had, there have been and are moments where I look at it and go, is this... Is this making a difference? Yeah. You know, I mean, is this really helpful for me to drag them to church one more time or to really, you know, try to get them to pray before a meal or, yeah. you know, to take their faith seriously? Yeah. Um, and it is. It is. Yeah. I mean, that's the answer. So uh, I I think also for men uh, and sons who are looking for role models of masculinity, this is a surprising bright spot. Mm-hmm. Because right in the middle of all this machismo, right, this 
this guy's a Navy SEAL. He's yeah, handsome. He's rugged. He's pulled himself up by his bootstraps, you know. And then when you start hearing him talk about transformed, he's like, I was a womanizer. Mm-hmm. And God changed my heart. Right. And it was prideful. I mean, you talk yeah. about, yeah, I mean, you talk about a, a illustration of the, the sort of Paul moment, you know, Saul to Paul, mm-hmm. where you're running one direction and God turns you 180 to the next. Uh, man, how many women need to know this is possible. Yeah. Right. I thought it was very cool. Couldn't agree more. It was fantastic. So thank you guys for spending some time with us today. We, uh, thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoyed this. I know you did too, Brad, and, and we're so grateful for your support and for continuing to be on this road as we learn more about these stories of people that have faced hard things and are facing hard things and continue to, to do what God has right in front of them. We appreciate, we take this as an honor and, uh, we appreciate it. if you leave any comments or as many stars as you can on any podcast five, platform. Five stars, Robert. That's, not as many as you can. Five. Okay, well, you know, I'm not self-congratulatory. I'm not being self-congratulatory. I just want five stars. You're groveling. Five. Thank you guys for being with us. We'll see you here again next week. And we, uh, one last thing, uh, Robert, don't close too okay, quick. Okay. All right. We haven't done our positive moment. I remember yeah. that halfway through our conversation. So, so what's just, the positive word? I I'm telling you, Pastor Brad, we need we need positive things in our life. I, I'm sick of the news. So here's the positives. According to uh, a 2014 poll, teen pregnancies and sexual activity are declining. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're down 47 percent over the past 25 years. Can you I've believe heard that. that? Yes, along with you know substance abuse, and I mean we're seeing less yeah. and less teenage drinking, and so. It's moving in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, you just don't hear these stats very often. I mean, you hear all these terrible things that are happening, but this is a this is a positive one. Another one is that high school graduation rates are at record highs. Can I give you my? Yes, you can be cynical. It's fine. It's fine. It's because we're dumbing down the education we're system. But I didn't our, say that. I mean, let's just let's take the good news yeah. and, and leave it there. Well, I think parents need good news, and so uh, let's listen to these. Each week, we're going to give you some positive facts and uh, something to to hang on to that's true. And uh, we will be right here next week, Robert and I, together. See you then. Be encouraged, parents. You are not alone. In Paul's letter to his son in the faith, Timothy, he writes, But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Brilliantly Brave Parenting wants to be an encouragement and support that parents can rely on. Would you consider liking us and sharing us with a friend? As a part of the Tween Gospel Alliance, we are a nonprofit organization dependent on the support of friends like you. Thanks for stopping by. We'll be right here next week. We are excited to announce the Storms of Life study, Living Beyond Stressed Out and Overwhelmed. It's a great subtitle, Living Beyond Stressed Out and Overwhelmed. Yeah, I mean, at this point, we know that students are stressed. And for parents and pastors, it's important to know what are the top three things that are really on the minds of our kids. So Brad, walk us through what they can expect from the Storms of Life. This is an eight-week study. It has uh, video insights. It has uh, presentations from an actual youth retreat with junior high and high school students. 
These kids are going to learn about how their faith can help them fight back the stress that they're living with every day at school. Check it out on iShineLive.com. You know, Robert, every parent, every pastor is looking for resources that are new and insightful for their kids. So true. So so where do we go? Well, with the advent of iShineLive.com, we have a web store. And in that web store, we've got resources. Like what? We've got resources like Bibles. We've got devotionals. We even have journals for kids. Do you have music? We do have music. And video? Absolutely. Wow. And everything's been designed for the preteen and tween in your life. Who needs Amazon? iShineLive.com. Check it out.